Welcome to Thriller Vault, where thriller writers tell their favorite stories. I'm your host, Phil Williams, and I'm here with my co-host, action-adventure author, Luke Richardson. How are you doing, Luke? I'm great, thank you. How are you? Very well, thank you. Uh, Before we get into the story, I'd like to mention that uh, anybody who's interested in hearing more stories from Luke and I, you can search your favorite audiobook retailer for Luke Richardson or Phil M. Williams. We both have tons of audiobooks out there. Now, I titled this story Stolen Identity, and this is a very personal story for me. I met my wife, Denise, in the summer of 1998. She lived in a townhouse two rows down from my mother's. I had just turned 23 years old, and I was still living at home. I was doing landscaping for a living. On one hot day, my business partner and I replaced the sod from a townhouse that was near the community mailbox. Denise grabbed her mail and quipped, You guys wouldn't want to mow a lawn for free, would you? I frowned at her and thought, there's no way I'm doing anything for free. My business partner asked her which house was hers. She said she was just joking, but she did point out which townhouse was hers. It was impossible not to notice how pretty she was. I thought, she probably gets free stuff all the time. I'm not falling for that. I had noticed Denise that summer. Her white Hyundai was often home in the middle of the day. I wondered if she had a job, or maybe she had a rich father or even worse, a rich sugar daddy. On Monday morning, we mowed the clients we had near my mother's townhouse. We had several clients in my mother's complex. My business partner said, I'm gonna mow that girl's house. I said something like, do what you want. But I wasn't in the business of mowing grass for free. A few days later, Denise dropped off homemade brownies at my mother's house as a thank you. I wasn't at home, but I felt bad that I misjudged her as the pretty girl trying to cash in on her pretty privilege. A few days later, I returned the tin that she had packed the brownies into. I thanked her and we chatted for a few minutes. Turns out she did have a job. She was a teacher and lived with two roommates, Tracy and Sharon. I remember feeling self-conscious about living at home. I made a joke about it saying, it's pretty cool. My mom lets me stay out as late as I want. Denise laughed, but then she said that she lived with her parents for a while after college too to get her master's degree. From then on, we'd run into each other in the parking lot and talk. I spent more time outside shooting baskets on my little brother's basketball hoop, hoping I might run into her, even though I don't really like basketball and I'm not particularly good at it either. Eventually, Denise invited me to a happy hour with some of her friends. I didn't view this as a date at the time. Fortunately for me, Denise isn't the most punctual person, and we ended up being late to the happy hour, to the happy hour and all her friends had left. So we ended up having dinner together and talking until closing time. A few months later, We were in a committed relationship, and I was in the process of moving into a rental house down the road with my business partner. Our business had outgrown my mother's garage, and I needed to live on my own. It was in the afternoon, and I was recording the work that we'd done that day. I was still living at home. It was was another month till our lease began, Uh, but I was working in my office slash bedroom preparing the billing, and Denise walked through the garage into my basement bedroom. She was in tears. Denise said, Tracy said that my car's passenger side door scratched her car. She wants me to pay for her repairs. Tracy was one of her roommates, a young brunette who had an MBA and worked as a consultant in Washington, D.C. What did you say, I asked. I told her I didn't scratch her car, Denise replied. Then Tracy said I didn't say it was you. Tracy had been implying that it was in fact me who scratched her car, since Denise and I used her vehicle when we went places together. But I was never the passenger. As Denise didn't like to drive, and we didn't, we didn't use my truck as it was perpetually dirty and filled with grass clippings. 
Niece informed Tracy that it couldn't be me, as I was always in the driver's seat. But Tracy didn't believe Denise and was adamant that Denise was lying. So she left her townhouse to talk to me. As we were talking, it dawned on Denise that her other roommate, Sharon, often borrowed Denise's car. And it was possible that Sharon's eight-year-old son, Mikey, was the one who scratched Tracy's car. Denise didn't tell Tracy this, though, as she didn't want to place blame on her other roommate without proof. Sharon was Denise's coworker, also a teacher at the nearby elementary school. She was, she was thin and a sharp dresser with a mouthful of braces. Weirdly, her braces didn't have any wires, only the metal squares attached to her teeth. Denise didn't pay for the repair and maintained her innocence. This drove a wedge between Tracy and Denise. Another month went by, and Denise again appeared at my office slash bedroom visibly upset. She had been contacted by a debt collection service for the limited clothing store. She owed nearly $1,000, but Denise was completely unaware of the debt. She did have a limited store credit card that she had opened a year or so earlier, but had not used it for quite some time. She didn't make the purchases and had never received the billing statements for the limited credit card. Denise went up the chain to the manager of the debt collection service. After verifying they were sending the statements to the correct address, the manager had asked, do you live with roommates or anyone who might have access to your mail? Denise didn't think her roommates were responsible for the bill and the potential fraud, but the manager offered to send a copy of the receipts complete with signatures. Denise had the manager send the receipt copies to my address to be safe. A few days later, I took the letter to Denise's townhouse. She opened it and said, oh my God. I craned my neck to see the receipts. I said, that's not your handwriting. Someone had signed Denise's name. We went to the kitchen and checked the envelope with the rent checks. The roommates put their rent checks in an envelope tacked to a bulletin board for the monthly rent. The last person who added their check was expected to mail the envelope. Denise, never punctual, was always the last one to add her check to the envelope. So Tracy and Sharon's checks were already inside. We compared the signatures on the checks to the signature on the limited receipts. The handwriting was a perfect match. It was Sharon. Denise called the police from my bedroom. She talked to a detective, but he didn't seem too keen to do anything. He said, it's not the crime of the century. He also cited a lack of evidence. Discovering that Sharon was the culprit put other strange occurrences in perspective. On several occasions, Denise had been missing cash from her purse, which she often left in her car. And she thought that Sharon had been the one to tell Tracy that I, that I had dented Tracy's car. At this point, Denise didn't know what to do. She lived with Sharon. She worked at the same elementary school as Sharon. All Denise knew for sure was that she wanted to get the hell away from Sharon. So I asked Denise if she wanted to move into my rental house with me. She agreed. A few weeks later, I helped Denise move her furniture. Sharon was angry because we were taking all of the living room furniture and Denise had also cut the phone service as it was in her name. Sharon was yelling at Denise, getting in her face. After stealing Denise's identity, Sharon had the nerve to bitch about Denise taking her own furniture and cutting her, her own phone service. I told, I told Sharon to leave Denise alone. Now, you have to understand at this point, Denise has not told Sharon or expressed any suspicion about the theft. So she was not, still not sure what to do about it, but she wanted to get out of the house before you know, doing anything further. So I told Sharon to leave Denise alone and Sharon flipped out, got in my face telling me to get the hell out of her house. And if I didn't leave, she would call the police. I think she wanted me to punch her. So 
she had something that she could hold over Denise's head. Truthfully, if I'm really being honest, I wanted to punch her. But smartly, I left the townhouse. Denise moved in with me to our dilapidated rental house. We were covered in flea bites on our very first night there. The previous tenant had tons of pets, including dogs, cats, snakes, and lizards. Denise told her principal, Irene, about the incident. Irene had seemed supportive until Denise mentioned that she'd reported the incident to the police. Irene wanted Denise to shut up about the incident so as not to embarrass the school. In addition, Irene had a special kinship with Sharon, a fellow single mom. Irene was known to make life miserable for teachers she didn't want at her school, making their lives so miserable that they would quit. Denise was now her new target. Denise obeyed her principal and mostly kept her mouth shut about the theft. Meanwhile, Sharon had been spreading wild rumors at school. One rumor was that I urinated on Sharon's furniture before we left. A few teachers actually believed Sharon, although one said, why would he pee on the furniture? I heard it was all Denise's, which was true. Almost all, all the furniture was Denise's. Denise was largely ostracized by catty teachers who were happy to believe the nasty gossip. We found out years later that Sharon also told Denise's cousin that I was using Denise for food, which is kind of funny to me. I mean, I since I, I guess they thought this because, or she said this because I often ate dinner with Denise at her house. Of course, I helped pay for her groceries too. It was odd that she said I was using her for food, though. I, I was, I was poor at the time, but but I wasn't actually starving. Many of Denise's coworkers sided with Sharon, believing whatever lies she had she had she had told them. One former military teacher told Denise that if they were in the military, she'd be discharged. In a staff meeting, Irene stared at Denise as she lectured the staff on making the school look bad. Denise took the humiliation, the lies, and the gossip, and she still did her best as a teacher. She didn't want all the negativity to affect her students. But at the end of the day, she was emotionally exhausted. I remember coming home from work to see her staring blankly at a wall in our bedroom. She was depressed. We talked it out night after night. I kept telling her that what she that she was doing the right thing, that she just needed to hold on. One thing to know about Denise is that she's an incredibly kind person. People sometimes take advantage of her kindness, and she'll accept it for a while. She'll accept it not because she's meek, and not because she doesn't know it's happening. She accepts it because she tries to be kind, recognizing that people aren't perfect. But she has her limits. And once you've crossed her limit, I can tell you I would never want to cross her limit. There's no going back. Here's an example. When she was in middle school, prior to her growth spurt, she was chubby and short. As a consequence, she was bullied. Kids called her names. They ostracized her. One girl, Laura, was especially brutal. One day during gym class, they ran around the gym. The kids cut the corners while the teacher was attending to a student outside the gym. When Denise cut the corner, Laura threatened to beat her up if she did it again. It was in that moment that Denise snapped. Denise got in her face, even though Laura was a head taller than her. But Denise wasn't afraid. She said, I fight my big brother all the time. I'm not afraid of you. I'll kick your ass. Laura was stunned, as were Denise's fellow classmates, as that kind of language never came out of her mouth. Laura backed down and never made fun of Denise again, at least to her face. Just like middle school, Denise finally snapped. I think it was the wild rumor spreading. Had Sharon been kind to Denise or at all remorseful, Denise would have let it go. But instead, 
Sharon attempted to destroy Denise's reputation with lies and gossip. So Denise finally confronted Sharon about the forged receipts in a private school conference room. Initially, Denise waited to confront Sharon because she didn't want to live with her after the confrontation. Then, Denise had planned to let it go. Denise asked, Did you use my credit card at the Limited? I don't know what you're talking about, Sharon replied. There's security camera footage from the store from when you used, the, when you used my card. It's clearly you. Sharon was speechless. There was no security cam footage. Denise was bluffing. Just admit it, and I won't call the police, Denise said. Sharon was still speechless. Just admit it, and I won't call the police, Denise said again. Sharon paused for a long moment. Fine, I did it. I have a a shopping problem. Sharon admitted to using Denise's limited credit card. She admitted to taking the statements from the mailbox before Denise saw them. Unbeknownst to Sharon, Denise had a tape recorder running on the table, hidden under a book. Denise took her evidence to the detective, and now he was interested. Sharon was arrested, but she was allowed to turn herself in, and they didn't hold her. The detective wanted Denise at the court date, so we went. Sharon's attorney, a frumpy man with a ponytail, tried to talk to Denise before the bench trial. He said something like, how much blood do you want? I told the guy to stay away from Denise, and we walked away. With overwhelming evidence, particularly the taped confession, Sharon pled guilty. Sharon cried while the judge sentenced her to two weeks in jail. The judge didn't seem to care one bit about her tears. Sharon also also lost her job, but she pled down to a misdemeanor, so she was able to teach again in a different school district. Ultimately, Denise lost her job too, sort of. Irene, Denise's principal, was fuming mad at Denise when news of Sharon's conviction appeared in the newspaper with the name of the elementary school. Technically, Irene couldn't fire Denise, but she could make her life miserable. In the principal's office, Irene told Denise, it's better for the school if you're not here anymore. Denise replied, the feeling is mutual. I'm leaving at the end of the school year. I'll be across the street at the middle school. Irene was dumbstruck. The county had offered Denise a teaching position at another school, but it was far away from where we lived. Denise thought Irene was disappointed that Denise would still be nearby as she secured a job at the middle at the middle school on her own. Denise shook hands with her principal. Irene's handshake was like a wet noodle. We never saw Sharon again. Denise sometimes saw Irene at happy hour. The middle school teachers and elementary teachers often went to the same nearby Chili's. Irene tried to talk to Denise on several occasions, but Denise didn't want anything to do with her. Irene heard that Denise and I were getting married, and she asked one of Denise's friends where she could send a wedding gift. Denise asked, what's she going to send me, a bomb? Then she said, I don't want anything from her. I think Sharon thought Denise was the stereotypical young, dumb, blonde. I think she mistook Denise's kindness and openness for being gullible. But that arrogance was ultimately Sharon's downfall. Sharon lost her job and her freedom for a few weeks, all because Denise was smart and cunning. Sharon underestimated Denise and paid the price for her crime. Ironically, Sharon used to work at the Limited, the very store she defrauded. Denise found out later from a substitute teacher who used to work at the Limited that Sharon had been fired for stealing credit card information from customers. They let her resign and didn't call the police. This is secondhand information, so I can't verify the veracity. And I'm guessing those wireless braces were still on her teeth because she couldn't afford to pay the orthodontist to take them off. In a way, 
Sharon brought Denise and me together. Because of Sharon, we moved in together after only dating for a few months. A year after that, we bought a house together. A year after that, we were engaged. And a year after that, we were married. 22 years later, we're still happily married. So thanks, Sharon. Appreciate it. So Luke, do you think the story was true, false, or somewhere in between? I think most of that has to be true. It was a great story. I love that. And I love stories of revenge as well. You know about the, the saying about it best served cold. I think that's that's so true. Yeah, for sure. Revenge is definitely best served cold. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Everything is most, is I would say 99% true. I, I may have changed the order of events a little bit because I think if I remember correctly, uh, De- Denise was really... She was despondent even after getting the recording and because all, all those rumors and stuff were still going on after. So I'm not sure of the, I don't remember the exact timing. So I, I timed it a little bit to make it a little bit more interesting of the yeah. story, but pretty much the events are all, all, all pretty much true. And, and of course the dialogue is, is a recreation. So I'm sure it's not exact, but, uh, but yeah, that's pretty much what happened. And, Love um, it. but, but yeah, it, it, in, in a way, you know, maybe I should be thanking Sharon cause she, you know, she brought us together closer and and you know and i I think we still would have ended up together but you know i think she she pushed us together a little quicker that's true you wouldn't have got the 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 flea bites though in the first night you spent yeah that's true (laughs) actually i would have got i would have gotten the flea bites she wouldn't have because she wouldn't have been moving in but she would have been she wouldn't have she wouldn't have suffered as much but but yeah it was it was those are dark days though when we moved right we moved in i mean we're moving we're living in this because her townhouse was really nice, and the, and my rental house was a dump. I mean, it was not <laughs> not very nice at all. So it was like she, it was a big step down in in and because she had the master bedroom in the in the townhouse too. It had like its own bathroom, nice tub. I mean, it was really nice. And uh, and she's moving into this dumpy little house with one shared bathroom in the in the hall with no bathtub, and I'm just yeah, and and flea bites and all the all the other stuff that's going on in that house, but. Do you think there was ever a point at which she regretted not sort of um, dealing with it straight away? You know, because I obviously she thought moving out, whatever, leave the thousand, leave the thousand dollars, let that go. Um, all that sort of stuff. Let the let the bump on the car go, you know, just for the peace, keep the peace, all those sorts yeah. of things. And then, and then she was pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed until the point at which she finally had to do something about it, as you described. Do you well, think there was a point at which she regretted not just going, I know what you've done. This is the thing, you know, <laughs> I've got the evidence. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that, I don't think she, she certainly doesn't regret it. Cause this wouldn't have gone, it wouldn't have gone right. I think had, yeah. um, cause, cause what happened was she, she went to the police initially and they were, mm. they were like, we're not going to do anything. And so, um, so she didn't see the point in confronting her when she had no evidence. Right. It's like she, it, the, the point of confronting her in her mind, and this is a thing like Denise, she's so nice, but she's also very cunning. So this is smart. So she's thinking of it. She's angry, of course, but she's thinking, she's thinking smart about it. She's like, you know, if I, if I confront her, first of all, she was still living in the house. Yeah, so if I confront her, then it's going to be really uncomfortable, mm. you know, better to th- let her be confident that she's getting away with everything. Be smart. Like she was smart about her purse and stuff and had canceled the credit cards. And she's that way she wouldn't continue to be victimized. Um, but then she also knew that she was going to be moving in with me. And then at that point, she 
didn't think that there was anything she could do anyway. So she was just going to let it all go and just move on with her life. And, you know, we were happy and, you know, there's no point in creating this big thing, but, you know, Sharon just couldn't stop with the, uh, reputation destruction. And Denise was just, she finally hit her limit and she's like, you know what, I'm going to try to do something. And she came up with the idea of recording her because in Virginia, uh, in, in Pennsylvania, both people have to know there it's re the recording is happening in order for it to be legal. Uh -huh. uh, but in Virginia, uh, only one person needs to know. So Denise knew there was recording uh -huh. and the other person didn't. That's perfectly legal. And uh, so it, had that happened here in Pennsylvania, she wouldn't have been able to, to do that. But I see. because we were in Virginia, uh, she was able to do that. And, uh, <laughs> and again, like she was they, the Sharon, she really uh, misjudged who she was messing with. Absolutely. And, um, yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. <laughs> it's a brilliant story. And I love the, I love the element of truth. And I like how, how it let us know a little bit more about you as well. I think that's great. Cause it, in there was your, the story behind you both getting to know each other and, in the early part of your, of your marriage. So that was, that was very special. Oh, well, thank you, Luke. I appreciate that. I'll, I'll let Denise know you said that. And thank you to the audience for listening and watching Thriller Vault. Uh, be sure to like and subscribe. I hope you all come back next week for another thriller story.